us too. So I uh, want to make sure you're here the next hour. Who is this Jesus? That's our Christmas uh, theme as we uh, enter into the Christmas uh, weeks. And who is this Jesus begins with Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And hopefully you've, you've come to that point where you've experienced he is the one who truly satisfies. I'm not sure whether, as Ian was sharing about um, 17 or 18 points, he was making a reference to some messages in which I give you 17 or 18 points. But this morning, uh, we have a pretty straightforward message. Uh, Basically, one major idea with a few other details thrown in for free. So uh, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day in which we had opportunity to Remember Ailey and also that other child that made such a difference in their family, Isla, as well. And Father, we do pray as Ailey and Isla grow up in the Lord that you might just uh, cause them to know you, to love you, and to serve you. And Father, we pray that for us as well as we uh, come to your word this morning. And your word speaks into our lives, telling us about you, but also telling us about us as far as from your perspective. And Father, we pray that we might take the clear teachings of your word and apply them to our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, the message is entitled Hospitality, Hospitality That Helps. And we're in the end of a series that we will, Lord willing, finish uh, this calendar year of going through the entire New Testament, every individual book in the New Testament, 27 particular books that God has given us to understand his plan and will for our life. And this morning, the goal is to go through two of those books, two little letters. You could also call them postcards, because really they're the smallest portions of Scripture uh, that God has for us as he gave us the new covenant uh, described in the New Testament. Uh, Second and third John. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the back of it, find the book of Revelation, hang a left, don't go too fast, and you'll run into second and third John, and you can put your finger there as we uh, go through this text this morning. Really, as I mentioned to you, I really want to get basically one idea across to you, and it's the idea of hospitality. But as we think about hospitality, and hospitality is is simply spending time with people. Really, that's what it's all about, spending time in such a way that you want to make an impact in their life. But there is a a hospitality, or there is a time where people spend time with people, and it doesn't help them, it hurts them. And, And we're going to look at the two contrasts from that this morning. But, but really the application and the idea I want you to understand is that God has called us to be people who relate to other people. And we look at it from a vertical perspective, that's what the message of the, of the Bible is all about, that God wants to relate to us. He wants to connect with us. It's all about uh, relationship. And that is true not only in the vertical perspective, but it's also true in the horizontal perspective. And when we do God's will in our life, we are connecting people uh, to God. So this morning we're going to see that laid out for us in two little letters, two little postcards that John, who was getting on in, in age, but had seen it all, now speaks into people's lives in such a way that they want them to know what, what ministry is all about. And that's another way to put it. Ministry is simply spending time with people. And as you spend time with people, honor Christ while you're doing, while you're doing that. A ministry is simply spending time with people and honoring Christ during that time. And there are a variety of ways you can honor Christ when you're spending time with people. But you can't honor Christ if you're not connecting relationally with others. Well, what is it that God wants us to do? And I, here's the, the two simple ideas around the idea of hospitality. And let me throw this in for you as well. 
The term hospitality in the Greek language, it's in the New Testament, comes from a word, interesting enough, that's connected to a word uh, that can be translated love. Some of you have heard that there are four Greek words uh, that the Greeks had for love. Uh, one is eros, from which we get erotic expression of love, physical love. Storge, which is never really used in the New Testament, interesting enough, either is the word eros. But there, there are two words, agape and phileo. And phileo is tied to this word hospitality in such a way that it means lover of strangers. And basically, you could even more generalize it, is loving of people who are in need. Uh, loving in people that you, can, you connect, can connect with and do something that honors Christ when you're with them. And God has called us to be people-centered after we become Christ-centered. And He wants all of us to be involved in ministry. Sometimes people wonder, well, what can I do for God? You know, I don't know what gifts I have. I don't know what kind of strengths and abilities. I don't have a whole lot of training. I might not know the Bible from cover to cover. How, do, how, do I, how can I be used of God? Just connect with people. Spend time with them. And while you're spending time with them, honor Christ by speaking a word about Him, showing them love, listening to them, caring for them, meeting a need, and just represent Christ to them. I didn't know how... Uh, Brandon was going to share about the experience that some of the youth and leaders had yesterday. But he said, we were the hands and feet of Jesus, simply by spending time with people and connecting with them. And when they did that, that honored Christ. That's, that's ministry. Well, let's see how John shared that with uh, two individuals. Interesting about Second John and Third John. Second John is written to a godly woman, and Third John is written to a godly man. It's interesting, if you, if you like this kind of minutia about the Bible, 2 John is, is the shortest book in terms of verses in the New Testament, 13 verses. 3 John has 14 verses, but it's actually a shorter postcard because it has 25 words less if you add them up. This will be on the test, so make sure you write that down. All right, Let, let's look at what God has for us in this letter. There are two ways to show love. One is, sometimes the best way to show love is to say no. Now, guess what do you think the second point is? Sometimes the best way to show love is to say yes. yes. We, we need to be both types of people. We need to be people who can say no when it's most appropriate and when it's most loving. And we also need to be able to say yes when it's most loving and needed. And those who are parents, if you become skillful at all being a, a good parent, you learn this lesson early. You've got to be able to say no, and you've got to be able to say yes. The wisdom is knowing when to say which. But this is true not only within the home, but it's true in ministry. It's true in doing what God wants us to do in impacting people, connecting people, and honoring Christ while we do that. Spending time with people and honoring Christ when we do that. Let's just read through these two letters and see the simple things we want to get out of it. Second John, beginning with verse 1. Now, I'm just going to give you a running commentator on, a commentary on this, and then I want to focus on two passages out of, of both books. The elder, this is reference to John, who had a position of leadership within the churches and was also getting on in age. To the elect lady, and this is why we get the idea, this is written to a woman, and her children whom I love in truth, and not only I, but all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. 
So he began speaking that what I'm writing to you is, is truthful, and I do love you truly, not just superficially. Verse 3, grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. And that's really where the source of, of love comes from and also the source of truth that comes from above. Verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we receive commandment from the Father. And just a comment there. You know, as parents or as people who really care about people, what excites you most when you hear about how people are living and what's important to them? And, you know, what got John excited was when he heard that people he knew really got it, that they understood that spiritual things are the most important truth in life. And falling after God is what really what our life ought to be all about. And that's what brought him joy. And let's say in our world today, we can get caught up in so many other things that we consider so important that we miss what's most important. And that's a whole sermon in itself. Verse 5. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that, as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Okay, backing up, very simple. And we're going to go through these, this letter kind of in a, in a running commentary, but now I want to get to the simple point. Coming to a place like this, you're not surprised that, that we are called to be people who call other people to love. You know, Jesus is all about love. Now abide faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is Love. Jesus said, I knew commandment I, get, I command you that you love one another even as I have loved you. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's all about love. And every song that's ever been written usually gets down to love somewhere. But the issue is, well, how do you show love? What does that mean to love someone? Well, what I want to communicate to you very simply is one of the ways you need to say, show love to people is sometimes you have to say no. He illustrates it in a very biblical, spiritual context, but the application is broader than that as well. Look at verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for but that you may receive a full reward. I'll get back to that in a moment. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, now listen to these words, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his what? evil deeds. Now, if you take just a moment to reflect on what he is saying here, he is saying that if you really care about what God wants for you to do in life, if you really care about loving people the right way, sometimes you've got to say no. Even at the point where you don't even let people in your home or into your life. Where you understand that when you approve of certain things by embracing them in, in ways that look like they that you're accepting everything about them. You're doing them harm and other people as well. 
Now, particularly in this point, he's talking about spiritually. He is saying that if, if somehow people who deny who Christ is, that he didn't really come, that he's some hoax of history, that he truly wasn't a man in the flesh, and he truly wasn't God, and he truly wasn't the one who was sufficient for all of your sins, and you accept that, then not only the evil that they are doing by leading people astray. We've all gone on trips, right? And, and sometimes we get lost, and sometimes we ask for directions, and sometimes the directions we get are worse, now we get worse lost than we are now already. <laughs> this is what happens with people who listen to people who don't understand who God is. And, and when we show approval to that by thinking we're being nice, number one, we are telling them that we think what they're believing is okay. We're somehow accepting that what they believe in is true. But also, as other people watch that, they're saying, well, again, that's the whole sincerity aspect. We've talked about that. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe. And, and he says this to, to his readers there. If you receive into your home, if you embrace people who reject Jesus openly and speak another gospel, two things happen. One is you begin to share in their evil deeds. That the evil they do, you are partially responsible for that. For that, B- because people are looking to you as far as to what you believe, and if you believe it, maybe they will believe because of your example. And, and then, secondly, he said whatever reward that you were able to do in your faithfulness before God, you're going to lose some of that when you're unable to say no to people who reject Jesus. I mean, Paul put it about as strong as you could make it, let those people be anathema because they're presenting not only a a, a Jesus but another Jesus that's not really a Jesus. And they're bringing people into darkness. Now, the application of that in life is at times, if we really care about people, we're willing to speak into their lives what they don't want to hear but what they need to hear. And we tell them no. And we will reject relationship and partnership with people who reject Jesus. He finishes off this letter and says this, Having many things to write you, I do not wish to do with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. That last comment, you know, I think it's interesting when he speaks about that false teaching there, he doesn't name names in this particular uh, letter. But what is he saying to you? If you, have, if you have any mystery in your mind about the application of this, then I want to be able to talk to you one-on-one with this. If you're un- unsure in some of the relationships you have that are bringing you down rather than bringing you up, then you need to find someone face-to-face that can talk to you and tell you the truth. Because if we really care about people, which is all about spending time with people, if we're going to honor Christ in that, we've got to know when we need to say no and when we need to say yes. And sometimes it's the good things in life that we need to say no to because the best things in life are crowded out. Now, a couple weeks ago, we looked at some of the false teaching that people can have. And I just want to race through that by way of stirring your, your pure minds, by way of remembrance, is what Peter would say. Watch out for people who have a new truth, a non-biblical source, 
a different Jesus, a different view on the Trinity, a changing theology, a domineering leadership, a salvation by works, and a false prophecy. Those are just indicators that these are the people that we need to say no to in terms of what they believe that rejects the message that God has. But what I want to spend most of the time on this morning is it, it, let's, let's look at the positive end of spending time with people. The ability to say yes, and we need to be much more yes people than no people. And that's what Third John is all about. Sometimes the best way to show love is to say yes. Look at Third John. Again, doing a running commentary, and then we'll, we'll look at a few things together. The elder, again, identifying John as the leader of these churches and spiritually having oversight of them. To the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. And again, you have that same combination of love and truth and truth and love. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, not as, just as your soul prospers. Which is, which is one thing, when you're a child of God, one thing that's always prospering, and that is your soul, that is your spirit, your, your life of God. But also, also it delights that your physical body is in health as well. Verse 3, For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And again, as parents, what is it that you value most? Is it their GPA? Is it their athletic pursuits? Is there uh, their, their dream job that they want to train for in the next university that they want to get into? Or is it they are walking in spiritual truth? This is what should excite God's people, that we want our children walking in truth. Verse 5, Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church, if you send them toward, forward on your, their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. And let's just stop there. What does he commend himself for? Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love for the church. He's talking about him spending time with people. If you send them forward on the journey in a manner worthy of God, you do well. Because they went forth for his namesake, taking nothing among the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. Now, he's using language there that we don't necessarily track with, but basically he's saying this. He's saying, you know, Gaius, what you have done, as you have seen people in need, as you have seen people that you want to invest your life in, what you've done is you've opened up your home. You have assisted them in whatever way you can. You've received them and you've demonstrated the love of God to them in a way that was tangible. And when you invest your life in people in a way that builds them up, doesn't tear them down, that helps them, does not hurt them, then what you are doing is that which is eternal. And he was speaking particularly about visiting preachers and pastors and missionaries that were going on their way. And that particular day, they didn't have you know, Motel 6s and, you know, they didn't have Best Westerns and Comfort Inns. And isn't it nice, some of those cheap hotels, will, motels will now actually give you breakfast for free? Isn't that great? I mean, anyway. But they didn't have those kind of things now. 
what, what, they, what they had to find is someone that opened up their home to, to give them a, a night's rest and maybe a meal before they went on their way. And, and Gaius, we don't know anything about his spiritual gifts. We don't know any of his training. We don't know what he was skillful at. But what we do know that he loved people, that he was hospitable, that he reached out and, and cared about those around him, and, and he wanted to impact them for the Lord. And what he says here, which is interesting, he says, when you do that, not only is your action honorable to God, but whatever they do, it's passed on, and you get part of the credit. See what he said in verse 8? We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. Interesting passage that Jesus was speaking to his disciples, he sent them out to do ministry. He said this, he said, uh, Matthew 10, 40 through 42. He receives you, receives me, and he receives me, receives him who sent me. So he's again talking about people who open up their lives uh, and what they have to others around them. For he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Did you see the contrast between 2 John and 3 John? In 2 John, it said, look, lady, if you help those who are dishonoring Christ or leading people astray, whatever reward you do have, you could what? You could lose it. And if you, if you understand what they're doing is not what is driving people to a right relation with God, and you in some way participate in that by helping them, you participate in their evil deed. And then he speaks to Gaius, and he said this, I want you to understand, as you help those who are following after God, who, who want to know more about God, what you do is do that which honors God. And if whatever impact you, you make on their lives, I, I, I reward you for that. But whatever they do for the Lord it passes on back to you. Your reward is not lost, it, it, it receives gain. So if you want to double down, what you want to do is invest your time in people. In people in such a way that you participate in what they're participating in, which honors God. Let me, let me break this down as, as simply and as clearly as possible. God wants His people to understand we're in the people business. That it's all about us connecting with God and then helping other people connect with God. It's all about spending time with people, and when we spend time with people, we're trying to point them toward Christ. We want to honor Christ by attitude, by actions, by words. You know, sometimes the best way you can show hospitality to someone is simply to listen to them. And sometimes the best way you can show hospitality is just being there in the presence of an, in the time of need. Sometimes it's simply just opening up your home. In fact, that's what I have in your outline. Do life ministry by opening your home, getting a meal together, or just doing something fun together. You know, how do you, how do you spell love? Not L-O-V-E, but T-I-M-E. It's time. It's just spending time. It's opening up your schedule. And as we leave a place like this, you know, we scatter 
to be used of God to help gather people. And it's not a mystery. It's your neighbor on your right hand or left hand side. It's across the street. It's first of all just knowing their name. Spending time with them. Open up your home. Going out to a meal with them. Somebody at your work or at school. Find someone that's all alone and spend time with them. When you do something fun, invite somebody to do it with you. And then when you're doing that, it doesn't mean you preach at them every time, but, but you're just looking a way to honor Christ by your attitude and your actions and, and looking for ways to point people to Jesus. God wants us to, to build community. And we have life groups to do that. We, we gather together on Sundays for worship, and we have classes to meet as well. But you know, throughout the week, all, all of us are, are called to spend time with people and, and think more about them than ourselves. To really be hospitable, which, is, which simply means loving strangers or loving people. Looking not what you can get out of it, but what you can give. I mean, Jesus said, like, if you have a cup of cold water, it's like giving it to me. And when we are involved in that and helping other people involved in that, that that's what honors God. And that's where John was greatly rejoicing because he saw people walking in truth and the examples there were when not to do it and when to do it. The challenge this week is when we leave this place, are we all going to be involved in ministry by spending time with people who, who need a listening ear, a helping hand, someone will have a meal with them, someone who will just do something fun with them, and, and then maybe try to point that toward Christ and find out what's going on in their life and where their challenges are. Ministry doesn't have to be complicated. When we look back at the first church, we don't know anything about their programs. We don't have anything about their policies. We don't know what their music was. We don't know what kind of building they met in. It was probably homes, probably larger homes as the, as the church got larger. We don't know anything about their pastors other than that they taught the Word of God. But what the people did is they, they went out and they spent time with people and, and they lived the authentic Christian life that cared more about others than themselves. And then a clear message that was all about Jesus, who came in the flesh. And that's what Christmas is all about. But then went to the cross to demonstrate that he was more than just some traveling prophet or teacher. Went to the cross and rose from the grave that he truly was not only man, but God. And he paid the penalty for people's sins. And he had a direction for people to live by, by falling after him. point this morning, are, are, are we hospitable? I was reading a, remember when uh, there was a, a Dear Abby, some of us old people like myself, there was, there was a, there was a news, such a thing as a newspaper, you know, it was before the internet, you know, a newspaper, anybody know what a newspaper is? And they would have people write letters to, to people, letter to the editor, but they had a kind of a social, uh, well, I don't know, what'd you call it, a social column, uh, col- not communist, col- columnist, and they would, they would, they would write her you know, needs and, you know, and then she would comment on it, some things that they had done. Well, there was this man who wrote uh, about making a, a church study, and he did over a three-year period of time, and he wanted to visit over 200 churches. He had, he had at that point, visited 195 churches, and he just wanted to know how friendly churches were. And he said of the 195 churches that he had gone to, 
He had not been greeted once. Well, he had been greeted actually once. But out of the other 194 churches, he had only been greeted by the official greeters. You know, the people who had the job to do it. But once he was in the service and when he left the service, no one talked to him. Oh, the one time it did was when someone said, would you please move your sitting in my chair? Right now, what needs to happen, when people gather together like this, we need to be friendly. But more than friendly, we also need to learn to be friends. To spend time with people. And it doesn't have to be complicated. This week, you know, open up your home or go out for a meal with someone or just do something fun with, with another. And as you're doing that, try to honor Christ by your attitude and your actions. And, and then look for ways, maybe where you can speak in about things that are really important about spiritual truth. If they don't know the Lord, maybe you'll be able to share your testimony with them. If they do know the Lord, you might just ask, you know, how's it going in your walk with God? And, and maybe they just need to, to share a, a challenge or a, a struggle. And, and you can pray together. See, see, God wants us to spend time with people who know the Lord and people who don't know the Lord by, by bringing God into that. Now, we can waste our time together by not thinking about the Lord when we're together. But, but ministry is simply spending time with people and then trying to connect them to God. And when we do that, our reward is, is just multiplied before a God who, who delights to be pleased with His children. There were two people in this church that, beyond Gaius, or Gaius, depending on how you want to pronounce his name, that illustrated that and, and did not illustrate that. Real quickly, just reading through the rest of the text. There was a man named Diotrephes, who you don't want to be like, and there was a man named Demetrius, which you want to be like. We know more about the person we don't want to be like than the person we do want to be like. Don't imitate what is, what is good by not... Do imitate what is good by not following a selfish person. Look at Diotrephes, who was in the church. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Can you imagine that? Here's a man so proud, so wanted to always be on the pedestal, be first, that he wouldn't even receive the Apostle John. Verse 10. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does. In other words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to speak up about what he's been like, prating against us, being proud or antagonistic against us with malicious words. And not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Anybody who didn't do what he wanted to be done, he tried to eliminate them from fellowship in the church. And then he goes on in verse 11. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. And, and pretty straightforward truth there. Basically, the two path, there are two paths that go down. That which is going to be toward destruction, evil, or that which is going to be good and that which is going to bring you hope. Don't be a diatrophist, a selfish person. Be a Demetrius, an unselfish person. Verse 12. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. He was a man of truth. Verse 13, I had many things to write to you, but I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink, but I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you, our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. We just, in a quick period of time, went through two entire New Testament letters. But as we think about it, the message is pretty simple. The message was, be hospitable. Spend time with people. 
and do it in a way that, that helps that, and does not hurt. Sometimes you need to say no, but there's so many opportunities that you need to say yes to. Invest in people. Spend time with people. Open up your home. Do a meal. Do something fun with it. And then bring Christ into that. And God will be pleased. Throughout this Christmas season, we'll be using the Advent candle as one of our ways to remember that that event that happened around 2,000 years ago where God invaded history and became a man. We call it Christmas. We, we call it the celebration of the virgin birth as, as Jesus, the Son of God, became a man. And often, not only with Advent candles, but even as people put lights on their houses and, and they're electrified, but as candles and, and lights have always been a symbol of this season. But I was thinking a very simple truth I, I read just recently, that as you think about a candle that gives off light, whenever a candle lights another candle, it never loses any of its light. But sometimes we hoard our light so much, you almost think that we would think that. If I give away my faith, somehow I might lose some of my faith. But really what happens, just like a candle light another candle, what happens is not less light, it's what? It's more light. And when we give our, our faith away, not only are we giving that faith to another, but our faith grows stronger and becomes more real. And the life of God manifests itself in such powerful and real ways. This week, let's, let's build community. Let, let's do life together. Let's spend time with people by opening up our lives to invest in them by giving them love, spelled T-I-M-E, time. Let's pray. Father, we all recognize that we fall short in demonstrating love to others in tangible ways. But Father, we, we pray that we might be people that recognize that really what people want is a listening ear, our presence, our willingness to invest in them by giving that which is most precious, which is our time. Father, you loved us so much that in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son to be the Savior of this world. Father, help us this week to invest in people in a way that honors You. Now as we continue to give and continue to worship You, we pray that we might reflect upon Your truth for our lives. And we praise in Jesus' name. Amen.